1: And as always, celebrate. I get buckets.
2: What is up, everyone? It is Blue Wire Buckets coming to you. I am your host for this evening, Ben Dowsett. I am normally the host of the Sharp Notes podcast on the Blue Wire Network I am joined by one of the OGs out in the Bay, joining us tonight to recap a bit of the Warriors and, of course, the draft lottery that took place earlier today. It is the founder of Hashtag Step Better, Andy Lou. Andy, how you doing, (laughs) man? Good.
1: I love how you started this podcast with more energy than the Portland defense.
2: Gotta respect that. Boom! Hey, we are coming out hot to start this. Uh, (laughs) I was saying to Andy about two minutes ago before we started this, We're recording this like literally 20 minutes after the game ended or something like that, somewhere in that range. And I've already forgotten like large portions of that game. I remember that Steph hit lots of threes. I I remember that, frankly, it felt like it was a blowout the whole time, but it never actually was. If you look at the score until like the final five minutes, it was actually not a blowout at all. Portland was within like 7 to 11 for most of the game, it felt like. Uh, I don't know. That's Man, that was a weird-ass conference (laughs) finals game.
1: So what you just described as someone that watches and covered every Warriors game very closely for the last six years, what you just described is your typical December 13th Golden State Warriors home game. It's like that. Steph scores a lot. They do a lot of off-ball play. They play about 36 guys off the bench. Uh, They are up by eight at all times. You think they're up by 30, but they're up by eight. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they're up by 20. And uh, that's pretty standard.
2: And uh, it's a Western Conference Finals game. Game one. Against- that feels like even more of a this year's Warriors thing than pre- like in previous, like, the, you know, a couple of years ago, that game would have been over in the second quarter, right?
1: Yeah. That's, uh, no, that's completely accurate. The Warriors are just not as good as they were then. They don't, they still have the killer instinct. I mean, they beat Houston in game six on the road, but they don't have that, like, step on your throat. I'm going to behead you here, Ned Stark style, and it's going to yeah. be over for you. Like, they don't have that anymore. I think it's just. It's just they don't, they're not the same team, but I mean, it's, you're not going to beat them. You're still not going to beat them. And so, but it was just, man, it, it was, it was a good watch. I mean, for Warriors fans, for Steph fans, but it was
2: one of those where it's like, <sighs> that Houston series was the series, wasn't it? It probably was. And it probably spoiled us. Like, not like, and it's not even like it was the most, like, Every game in that series was close, but it's not like it was the most rip-roaring, entertaining. Like, frankly, you could make an argument that Denver-Portland was more, like, raw, entertaining from just, like, a swing standpoint and everything. Mm -hmm. It was kind of sloggy basketball at certain points. But, yeah, from a, like, teams actually giving Golden State a realistic challenge. I mean, maybe we're – jury's out for the finals. Like, we got some time on that. We'll see what happens there. And, obviously, it could depend on how KD's doing and everything like that. But, like, first of all, Portland's defense – this can't be the – plan right this can't actually be the plan you there I mean there's only it, this isn't hard stuff there you can get creative with certain things in the NBA there's you know varying styles you can play and everything like that and we know Portland likes to play the drop big when they play defensively but yeah. like it's, it's Steph man it's it's Stephen Curry you're just gonna let him walk around picks and shoot threes all game you cover Utah and I'm not liking in Canada go beer but you know Utah when
1: they when the Warriors played the Jazz a few years ago uh, Gobert is a tall guy, right? And so he's not necessarily sticking out there all the time. But they still played him up. Like, you, ha- you just have to. Like, just from a logic perspective, you just cannot have him standing in the paint. Do you expect Damian Lillard to fight over that and get a block? Like, if you're going to expect that, you might as well just have Harkless guard him the the game. And so it's just like, I don't understand what Terry Stotts is trying to do. And maybe it's like he doesn't want to make the adjustments in game one because it's like, well, we have to adjust to them. And, you know, we kind of, you know, uh, are the underdogs here? We look bad. It's like, dude, you're already probably going to get swept or lose by five in the series. You may as well come out in game one and just kind of throw everything at the wall and start, you know, hooding Collins or whatever you have to do, right? Uh, They just kind of stuck with what they did. And I think that's just kind of hubris. And they just thought they were good enough to handle either that or they were purposely throwing the game away. Either way, it was, I thought, almost coaching about practice it was it was absolutely terrible
2: well so no I'm I'm actually like okay maybe I'm giving Terry's I'm a big Terry Stotts fan so I want to like give him maybe like a way out of this potentially and maybe I'm giving too much credit here but you kind of actually just triggered a thought in my head of like what okay so Portland's coming off game seven on Sunday like 48 hours ago roughly they know that their their chances of winning this game almost no matter what they do are pretty low is there like maybe a little bit of gamesmanship to the whole okay maybe we won't show our actual hand in a game where we know that even if we do it perfectly we're probably going to lose anyway and there and it's like a put all your eggs in the game to basket and try and steal that game and all of a sudden you've got a series type of thing like i don't know maybe i'm giving him uh, too much credit there but i kind of want to believe that
1: yeah i think i think that that i love conspiracy theories i love that um and terry smarts is terry smarts terry stocks is definitely a good coach the problem is they gotta play every other day the rest of the series i, I think right. i'd understand it if like they had maybe two days rest and maybe you kind of give away this game but it's like man they gotta go back and run it back again and it's not like you know the entire fourth quarter was the rest game there like it was pretty close and they didn't put the bench guys in until about three minutes left so it's like they gotta run this back again on thursday and it's like even if they play better, I, I do expect the Warriors to play better too. I didn't think they looked that great, but it's tough. The other thing is, it's tough for Portland because they're just not—they're just not on that level, right? I would say like Warriors are on the top level. You would probably say Houston's, you know, right under that, and then you would say Portland's under that, right? So it's like, what do you really expect them to do? I think that's a little unfair.
2: Yeah, I, I think I would probably agree with that. I don't know. I wanted to give give Terry a little, and also you can't. You can't just, like, punt games against the Warriors, even no matter what the situation is, no matter how little rest you're coming off or whatever. You can't just be like, okay, we'll spot them this one. Like, it's never going to work out too well for you in a seven-game series where they have home advantage. So, I mean, honestly, the only other thing I had written down from this game was a tweet you sent early on, and it that said, honestly, I couldn't even find enough Portland might have a chance takes to troll straw men. <laughs> LOL, <laughs> it's going to be a long series for your boy. And, on, but like, and you were joking, but also... I really couldn't find that this series. Like you had some people picking Houston in the Houston series, and I frankly I don't even think that they like it was obviously the wrong pick. They got it wrong, but like I don't think it was the craziest pick in the no, world. Yeah. They, they at least had a chance, at, and every game in that series was within ten, right? So like you know close enough. But in this case, I don't even th- I don't even think I saw like you've usually got the one rogue dude on Twitter yeah. or something. I didn't see a single person, and i I don't think anybody was even willing at this point
1: that's exactly i I was just you know I was walking home and I was just kind of thinking like you know I'm kind of thinking of what stuff can I tweet you know to kind of piss people off and well, there's nothing there's really that's kind of the epitome or that's kind of the for me what exemplifies this series it's it's that usually you have people that you know want to see the warriors lose, so they'll say you know warriors, you know they'll they'll lose in six. Whatever it is, I didn't even see that. The fact that I didn't even see someone mess around and say that Portland had a chance to win in six or seven really is really telling. It, it just tells you that nobody gives them a chance, even from a joking perspective or trolling perspective or like a hey, give me some attention perspective, right? Nobody's even going to bother to do that because it's like, well, it's so transparent that you're kind of, you don't even believe what you're saying if you say that kind did of you thing. Even, and,
2: did you even see anyone give Portland two games? No. I don't think think I did. The funny thing is me and Sam on our
1: podcast, like we picked Warriors in six. But you know, the funny thing is we did it because we think the Warriors are going to mess around here. Like they're going to mess around and give away a couple games. But after watching
2: this game, it's like, they look tired too. Yeah. Like, well, Dame's looked tired since the start of the Dame's looked tired since the start of the second round. Pretty much, he got. I'm not saying he got carried in that second round, but like, because he, he didn't at all. He's a big part of it. But like, they, he, he looked a bit tired since what he did in the OKC series. And then he, I don't know if you noticed on the broadcast, he tweaked his hamstring. It looked yep. like tonight yep. at one point. If that's anything moving forward, damn, like it's going to be hard for them to get a single game here.
1: Yeah. It's it's and my 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 counter to that is like, hey, the Warriors have played a regular season's worth of games in the postseason the last five years uh they they're tired as well but that's where the talent disparity comes in right i think like with steph and clay I, I would say they're a level above damon mccollum but maybe damon mccollum have a great game on the road um so you know maybe that evens out and steph has a bad game so you're okay there let's say let's say you, you're, you get a game three there but then the difference on the other side is that the Warriors are Draymond on green Right. And so like you look at that difference and you look at Draymond Green tonight, he was phenomenal again on defense. He was so good. So good. And I'm watching Enos Kanter. You know, I'm watching Enos Kanter. I don't know, really know what he's ever doing on defense and on offense. You know, they're throwing doubles at him. He's turned it over like five times. So it's, it's rough because they have those two guys. But outside of that, man, they wear those guys out, especially when Clay locked up those two guys, too. Um, can't can't play
2: cancer might be back a little bit in this series because I think they got to go small and play Collins more like not that he was perfect by any means. I don't even know what his plus minus was or anything. But it felt like their only reasonable chance of, at, of generating offense decently enough, because frankly, actually despite the fact and again I haven't even seen the specific like offensive rating numbers or whatever but despite the fact that they were giving up a a bunch of really good looks to Steph from three it actually didn't feel like the Warriors offense was really going off that much at least not by how the standard that they can uh but and but Portland just couldn't generate enough on the other end to to get again you mentioned Draymond was was playing absolutely fantastic well I have one question for you before we kind of move on we'll talk about some lottery stuff here what uh do you, my thought had in this series, with what we've heard reported about KD and the injury and everything, my thought was we don't see him until they lose a game, like. And I don't know. Would you? I don't know if you've heard anything in particular, but like, do, does it seem to you like they might play it cautious that way, or what? They'll sit him the whole series if need be, but I think he's out game two. I think it's very
1: unlikely he plays game three. Um, and you know, if they they win game two, they lose game three. I think they're okay with with. Uh, with us uh, sending him again game four. But uh, if it goes to five, I think he'll be back game five. And I think even if they're up three, one and they're going into game five, I think they'll want to get him a game to kind of get him warmed up and see how the, how the, uh, how the calf is looking before the NBA finals. So I think they are they won't be, uh they won't be going out of their way to, uh, to bring him back, but uh, they'll bring him back when they have to. I don't think it's too big of a deal, but um, I think it was just a couple of days ago where he still wasn't really walking or going full speed. So, uh, it's not like it's, he's back anytime soon. It's not like he's still running around and he can play at any time. It's definitely not that. He's still at least, I would say, probably a week away.
2: Yeah, that seems and- to make sense and you're gonna want i mean obviously you're gonna at this point especially if you don't lose and if you go up 3-0 at some point in the series you're gonna you can make sure he's completely pain-free before you need to bring him back and guys speaking of pain when you're selling online getting your orders out can be a real pain it's time consuming it's expensive there are so many carriers to choose from so how do you know you're making the best choice This is why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage. Ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, helps you save money on shipping costs, and it keeps your customers happy. That's the most important thing. No matter where you're selling, you can be selling on Amazon, on Etsy, on your own personal website. ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, makes them really easy to manage from any device, your cell phone, your tablet. And right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners, try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E, there is absolutely no risk, you can start your free trial without even entering a credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, that's USPS, FedEx, UPS, even works with Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping option for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time, the best rates available. Just visit shipstation.com, click on the microphone you see at the top of the homepage, type in that code blue. That's shipstation.com, enter the promo code blue. ShipStation, make ship happen. Do you like that, Andy? How I almost swore there at the end of that? Incredible. And I almost swore there at the end, but I didn't.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I read that read yesterday and I laughed. (laughs)
2: <laughs> He's a good one. I, I enjoy uh, it.
1: Oh, my. That was an incredible segue. Great read. I, I'm jealous.
2: Normally, I, I don't do segues well, but I was. I, I saw a connection right there because where the word pain was in the first line. We were talking about an injury. I was like, boom. You know what? It was too easy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, guys, so frankly, the more exciting thing in the NBA world that probably happened today than the conference final game that took place that we just talked about was the draft lottery, which <laughs> – I think a bunch of people thought Frank Isola was kidding when he tweeted out that thing before the lottery about like somebody transmitted the info and wow, you guys. Wow. I think everybody thought he was trolling or something like that. He was, (laughs) he was not trolling when it got down to the final four. I was, I was thinking this is basically the most exciting final four. You could have imagined, like if you could have, If we had said what would be the most drama possible for a Final Four, Lakers, Knicks, Memphis, because Memphis, uh, obviously they they had the convey or not convey thing and the the trade that got that pick. And then uh, obviously the eventual winners, New Orleans, with the whole Anthony Davis saga going on, they end up winning – We've seen the word from Shams Charania saying that Davis has not changed his stance. I mean, and that was out within like 10 minutes of the pick. Oh, wow. I, I missed that. Wow. Oh, you missed it? Yeah, Shams yeah. Uh, had, it, had a tweet pretty quick, which made it seem like it was all, they were almost waiting on this sort of a thing, uh, of that, that he had not changed his stance, that he still uh, wow. wants, wants to be traded by the Pelicans. So I guess the, the first place to start there is, I mean, the obvious answer is Zion, plus the haul that you'll get from trading Anthony Davis sure seems like a pretty damn nice rebuild, right? I don't even get to imagine Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson. The fact that I don't even get
1: to imagine that is is depressing, right? I think that's that's not fun. Uh, well, we've Andy seen, we've seen
2: griff pull off miracles he's now won like four draft lotteries in the last eight that. years maybe he can i don't know maybe he can pull a miracle and can and change ad's mind it doesn't feel like it though
1: no no and it doesn't and and you know shams is great he he's there's there's pete's probably right and so boy that that's tough I, I will say they've got the right person for the job i mean i would say some people would say the management or sorry not management but the uh the ownership there is is tough right it's not so great but um, hiring David Griffin is smart. And so getting him to kind of re- jumpstart this rebuild with Zion and boy, I-, I don't know what they can get for Anthony Davis, but that is a hell of a way to start the rebuild. Um, here's my thing. I'm curious where David Griffin shifts Anthony Davis to. Um, and what does he get for that? Because if he wants to ship him to a team that Anthony Davis doesn't want to sign long-term for, what's the point, right? You don't, you don't get that haul, but if you shift them to, I don't know, the Lakers, maybe you get a bigger haul. I don't know. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's my kind of thought process because end of the day, you just kind of get whatever package is best, right? And that's what good GMs do. You don't care about who you're trading to.
2: So earlier today, and I apologize if I was mistaken on this, but I'm almost 100% sure I'm correct. I believe there was a report from Ian Begley, formerly of ESPN, now he's with SNY, I believe, where he indicated sources had told him, and again, I'm sorry if I got this wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right, that he – that. Uh, Davis would consider re-signing in New York with the Knicks if he was to be traded there. And we already know, I think, based on previous reporting, he, he would definitely reconsider signing with the, re-signing with the Lakers down the line. So with the Lakers sitting at four and the Knicks sitting at three and then looking at the remainder of their asset trove, who do we think has the better uh, set of assets? And do we think the Knicks are going to be willing to kind of put all their chips in? And I guess as a three-prong question is how do the Celtics – factor into all this do oh, are they still boy. a factor at this point
1: the Celtics ended up with like the 15th pick or, or the 14th, 14th pick or something yeah. right yeah, the, yeah it can't be the 15th but the 14th pick which is hilarious because uh it, it just about everything that could go wrong for the Celtics this season went wrong and uh, you would think that Kyrie's gone at this point um which is funny to me because I'm definitely not a Celtics fan so uh, <laughs> really well done um
2: <laughs> well and the, if, Kyrie's, if Kyrie's gone it probably means no AD right
1: yeah yeah, it's. Got, I mean, yeah, that that's the thing. And and if I, I did, I, I guess I answered that accidentally while I was uh, going off on a tangent. But uh, yeah, I, I guess you wouldn't trade uh, Jason Tatum for that. But you no, know, if I was Danny Ainge, I would still do that trade. But with Andy Davis resigned, that would be the that would be the question. And maybe he wouldn't if there's no Kyrie, right? Because then it'd just be him by himself. Um, and if you knock out the Boston Celtics, then I would think that the Laos, that the L.A. Lakers would have the best package if they're ready, willing to throw everybody in, and I don't think that Kuzma and, and Ball and Ingram are that great. I think they're all mid-players mid at best. Um, if they throw on that you know, fourth pick, it's not even close. You've got to take that package, right? There's probably nothing better there. Although I did hear it's a three-person draft, but you never know with those things.
2: But you've got to think it's the Lakers. Well, so what if the Knicks come with – what if the Knicks are, okay, we're confident that we can get Anthony to resign, and we're going to come with uh, Kevin Knox – frankly telekina this third pick and a future first doesn't that at least like at least kind of compete at least get you in the building i don't know it seems like it it would at least be a starter
1: yeah the third pick yeah third would be better than the fourth you would think in that draft and then uh and then i mean that future pick would it be unprotected Right, because... And that's the tough thing. Yeah, I mean, what type of protection we're talking about. I, I just think that the Lakers are willing to... They, the Lakers are under so much pressure right now. They just hired Frank Vogel, who's mediocre at best. LeBron's probably not even going to listen to him. They hired Jason Kidd, who's a joke. Um, and that, that's just te- a terrible. Uh, and they have so much organizational dysfunction over there. They're under so much pressure to get a star. I don't think Kawhi's going there. Uh, Kyrie maybe, right? There's no way Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson are going there. So it's are you gonna get Jimmy Butler? Like that's who you're gonna get. You know, with LeBron James, you can only get LeBron James for a few more years here. Like, who who are you gonna get? It has to be Anthony Davis. He's that level of superstar, and I think that the Lakers are willing to give anything that they want, anything that the that David Griffin asked for. And man, I mean, I, I guess building around Zion, you know, uh, and RJ Barrett or someone, uh, and and you get these bunch of like. And Alonzo bought these kind of late-blooming late, uh, late blooming lottery picks, maybe that's your your thing. I, I still think that's the best package.
2: I'd be, I will say, if I was uh, David Griffin, who I'm not, and like, man, I would love to be as smart as that. Yeah. But yeah, I would be trying to drum up interest from the Knicks if I could. Both, A, to keep the pressure on the Lakers so they have to put everything in the deal if you're going to be doing it. That's the one side of it. But also... Because frankly, I am thinking maybe in the back of my head, especially from a you know a standpoint of you know you've already got your foundational star, you've got Zion coming like that, your foundation is set. You've got your guy. If you if you can hit one more major home run, so my thought is, if you can get the Knicks, you just said you mentioned it just a second ago. If you can get the Knicks to put in a future unprotected pick somehow. If you can get them to go that far, like maybe they sacrifice a f- like they only send one of their current players, and then they send this third pick plus a future first that is either unprotected or really lightly protected. And if you think you have a chance at that point at, uh, with New Orleans of maybe the Knicks, it'll just be AD. They won't get Durant or something like that, and they'll only be mediocre in the next few years. And you have a chance to nail another high pick. I'd be like, man, does that one asset maybe look more attractive to me than any single thing the Lakers can send?
1: Yeah, I, uh, they're in a good spot, huh? They are. Yeah, it's not uh, bad.
2: It I really worked out it. well. I saw the suggestion from Henry Abbott, True Hoop. Uh, why, don't the, uh, why doesn't New Orleans trade the number one pick to the Lakers for LeBron James? <laughs> I'd be yeah, if you're the
1: Lakers. You, be... you do that if you're the Lakers?
2: I mean, if LeBron said that he was up for it, wouldn't you have to think about it? I don't know. I haven't gotten I think, it.
1: I don't think LeBron has a no-trade clock, does he, he?
2: doesn't. He doesn't. But, like, my no, my thought wasn't even that. Mine was more like... You're, if you have LeBron on your team, you better know that he's not committed. If you're going to trade him,
1: like it would, it would probably be that. I know it's not going to happen, but I think if it happened, I think that would be the probably the craziest story in sports history. It'd have to it's be up there. Got to be up there. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be right there.
2: Oh, That'd be really. Tough. I'm I'm rooting for that because I always root for chaos. Yeah, just like a couple other random notes. Memphis came in at two, so really interesting situation for them. They've been talking about a Mike Conley for trade them. for a while. So like now, do you feel like it's more likely they move him because now they can get Ja Morant? Yeah, Stanley, second and, pick,
1: and JJJ so. is great. That's a great. That's a great core.
2: But also, what's interesting about that whole thing with Conley is that they uh, they still owe their pick, top six protected in 2020. So it's like, <sighs> do they maybe want to win enough so that they convey that because it becomes unprotected the year after, or oh, maybe boy. the year after that? So do they maybe keep Conley because to, and they can say, Oh, we're going to put him in the mentor role for Ja and plus try and win enough games to make sure they convey that pick next year. Cause they, oh, frankly, wow. they sort of probably wanted to convey it this year. Like they're not going to complain now that they have a chance to draft jaw, but like before that they were, I think they were hoping to convey it this year. So that's, that's kind of interesting. And then what,
1: what trade is that? I'm curious. Do you, oh know, uh, you know
2: shoot. I had it up before and now I don't at all. Um, it was the, I can find it. Uh, so, but uh, then I was going to, I was, well you, well, you can say it for a second. I was going to ask about which team do you think got screwed, quote unquote, screwed more? Uh, Atlanta dropped out of five to like seven or eight. I don't remember. I think it was eight. And then the Dallas pick that they, uh, that could have carried over to being unprotected in future years, conveyed at eight or, t- or 10 or something like that. Not great for them, given what they could have seen. And then Phoenix, who, in my opinion, doesn't deserve to have any lottery uh, luck, uh, agreed, but, agreed. but uh drop down so they uh, uh i think they drop down two two spots maybe three they're not really in any of those positions to draft the guys that most people consider are elite at this point
1: yeah i think phoenix is we gotta cut them out they're a joke and uh, they can't get anything right i wish atlanta had gotten some luck there don't you like i think that's maybe the hipster kind of take but i wish atlanta had gotten you know a top one pick <laughs> i wish they had got zion uh I, I Trae and, uh I love Trey Young and I love Luca. Uh but Trey Young was my guy going into the draft. I didn't like I like them than Luca or anything, but like obviously being a big Steph fan, I, I see shades of Steph in inside of uh Trey Young and I wish that uh he was playing with Zion. I think that and a lot of people compare uh Zion and uh to a you know more athletic version of Draymond Green. I, I'd have to see it. I Draymond has the most IQ I can think of of a lot of players in the NBA, but you know Zion's that type of player that man he can take over a game both offensively and right at the rim and you know you pair that with Trey Young that would have been that would have been my favorite team to watch next year
2: <laughs> uh, by far if Zion Williamson ends up having 90% of the basketball IQ of Draymond Green he's going to be the best player ever or like uh. close or I'm, I'm not kidding. That sounds like hyperbole. Okay, that and if he can shoot a bit of a jumper at some point in his career, which I guess we're not like 100% sure of yet. If those two things happen, he's going to be like an all-time great NBA player. I'll say that right now because, I mean, the physical skill is there. If he's and you're right. Uh, by the way, that pick from Memphis is all the way back from the Jeff Green trade. So that's a lot of fun uh, that that is still going out. That has like two more years that it might cascade for going out. Uh, all right, real quick before we wrap up, uh, just do a minute or two here on the other conference final series. Hopefully game one of that on Wednesday night will be more entertaining than game one of Warriors and, and uh, Blazers. I'm interested, honestly, I always think that a good gauge for – how good a team really is on the biggest stage at least in this current era of the league is how do folks like yourself who follow golden state and cover them really closely how do you uh kind of handicap this series in terms of do, do either of these teams give you pause in a finals against the warriors and are there either of them that you're legitimately worried about seeing man that's a great question
1: you know if i were covering the team i'd won toronto i've never been to toronto uh, i don't know if i want to go to milwaukee so uh, if I were covering the team, I'd go start with that.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: And then, uh, but no, I I think uh, it's a series that I don't think ma- it matters who they play, mainly because uh, whoever wins that series, you can almost say is the better player between Giannis and Kawhi. I think it's going to be a great, I think it's going to be seven games. I'm picking the Bucks, but um, I, I think it's, it's mano a mano who, on who's better. They may not guard each other, but it's, it'll be them too. Uh, and their role players, both role players, I don't think you can trust um, uh, right now, even though, you know, you would say Milwaukee's might be a little bit better. Uh, I think against Golden State, both teams are so new. And guys, some guys you can't trust, like Kyle Lowry or guys like Eric Bledsoe. I think it doesn't matter. The Warriors have the experience. They're going to win. And the matchup-wise, I think both teams are just as tough. So I, I might be a bailout answer for you, but uh, I think that's the uh, that's my take as one for the Warriors.
2: Now, that's interesting because, I, frankly, I expected you to say the Bucks. I think the Bucs are obviously the team that's looked a little better recently. I picked at the start of the playoffs and at the start of the season, I picked Toronto to come out of the East. I'm I'm struggling with myself for whether I'm sticking with that pick or not. I don't make my picks public because I don't care what people think about what I pick in a series. But like I'm mm-hmm. ugh, I don't know. I'm really back and forth. on what I want to pick the one thing I keep coming back to is and this re- this could have had to do with who they were playing in the last round. Like I definitely feel like Philly is was a lot better team than Boston and a lot tougher matchup for a team like Toronto. So it, it could be jading what I've seen, but it feels to me like you're right, by the way, both teams have role players that are really, that struggle to be on the floor in the playoffs and that are going to struggle even more if they get into a series against Golden State. But it feels like even within that, Milwaukee still has a really still really knows what they are as a team and what they're doing, even despite being a little newer on this stage, as you mentioned, whereas Toronto for large portions of that Philly series, it felt like they were a bunch of talented dudes. Yes, but still just dudes around Kawhi Leonard, who was then, you know, being a god for basically the whole series. Did you get that feeling at all?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that I think that Toronto almost relies primarily on like, hey, Kawhi, save us. Right, and and there's no identity there. I think it's similar to how the Golden State Warriors are when it's like, hey, Kevin Durant, do your ISO thing, and then they lose identity, right? The the joy is gone. The Steph Curry offense is gone. And you see what happens when you bring the Steph Curry offense back. So I think there there are shades of that. Not that Toronto had a great offense before that, right? Um, But with Milwaukee, they know what they want to do. But here's the thing. I think that... Giannis he he doesn't remind me of like a, a young LeBron uh in terms of like um style a lot but at the same time he does it's like he has that fun you know you remember Cleveland first LeBron fun you know a bunch of role yeah, players yeah. shooters around him you know coasting through the eastern conference just a very good team he has that same type of vibe for me and i think that he's going to hit a snag there And whether it be the Warriors or whether it be Toronto, it's the humbling will begin. And he's lost a few playoff series now and then, but this is where it begins, right? This is where it's like, now you're on the national stage. And if you don't show up now, they are coming for you. They are coming for you. And they're coming for you in ways that you've never seen before. I think that Giannis is going to struggle either in this, in this Eastern Conference Finals uh, a little bit. I still think he wins, but he's definitely going to get like, um, I call it big boyed by the Warriors. Like, the Warriors are going to come in as the big brother, and they're just going to punk him in that first finals. But then, you know, at at a certain point, you know, Giannis is great enough. He's going to start winning championships, you would think. Uh, But you know how that goes. You don't just show up to the finals as a first-timer and just go to work, so – Uh, That's kind of what I see happening, but uh, man, that guy.
2: I could definitely see like some 07 finals vibes for sure. As you say that, like that kind of makes a lot of sense to me. And even, you know, the Spurs that year in 07 were good. They were nowhere near the juggernaut that Golden State is this year. As far as their, their recent history, I could absolutely see a lot of those same shades as far as uh, Giannis and the rest of this Bucks group are just overwhelming at this point because they like as we've said they know I think they know who they are their identity is really strong which the, those Cavs teams were too that was very clear where the alpha was in the situation and where everybody's roles were after that but then they got to a certain point where they ran into a talent level and an execution level that they just couldn't keep up with and they got swept out of the room quite literally they lost that series 4-0 but then yeah. obviously lebron came back a lot and it took him a while to win the title actually but it took him uh, you know he that was a a pretty significant experience for him and a pretty significant like kind of slow the roll moment not that not that any of the the platitudes given in giannis's direction this year have been misplaced by any means but like you're right that kind of success Tends to, especially when you're in a league with a team like the Warriors, tends to come slowly, and we've seen that over several generations of the NBA, Pistons and the Bulls, and then all the you know the various teams that kind of get over that hump over time.
1: Yeah, I, and I, and I, you know the Bucks are better than that team. right? Middleton's good, Bledsoe's good, you know, but it's like. I, I... Brooke Lopez and you know Nikola Meritich and and Bledsoe. I, I don't see these guys as Middleton even. I I just don't see these guys as players that matter on the highest stage. Right, like players that matter: are Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and and guys that like are able to. Even Clay Thompson struggles in the finals, right. <laughs> right? Like he and and he's a very good player, and and the Bucks don't have anywhere near Clay's ability. So I mean we're we're taking we're jumping ahead here, but I I think that uh um. I think there are some people you know i think the bucks have like similar odds to the warriors of winning so i don't i don't think that's uh i think that's where the uh disconnect lies for me so.
2: well there are some people that are that that have i think it was on the low post today chris herring my good friend uh, made said he thinks the bucks might win at all he said he thinks that almost like the warriors in that first title year we can be a bit slow adjusting to the new kind of juggernaut in the building type of thing and that we might be just slow adjusting to the, you know, Milwaukee has been the best team in the league all year long, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure if I buy the whole extent of that because, you know, we know sort of the laying dormant thing with golden state. We've seen what this team is in the playoffs, but I'm interested by it. I do think Milwaukee could give a a pretty interesting series. Uh, And yeah, I don't know. I I think it'll be interesting. And frankly, do you blame us for jumping ahead after the game that we just watched? (laughs) I don't blame us personally. Um, Yeah. Yeah. no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to basically close it out. So if you got anything else, go ahead. But otherwise, I felt like we ran through it pretty well.
1: Yeah, I was going to bring it all the way back and say, well, we're right back at the Warriors and Blazers in a series that technically they call it the Western Conference Finals. But boy, it feels like the first round.
2: Yeah, Western Conference Finals already happened, I'm pretty sure, in the last round that, and ended in six yeah. games, unfortunately. Man, it would have been fun. Imagine if that Sunday had gone, had we had another game after that ridiculous Kawhi buzzer beater. I was thinking about that earlier today. What if we had had another game after that? That would have been ridiculous. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, uh, shoot.
2: <sighs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, I've been with Andy Lou here. You all know who he is. He is the host of the Light Years podcast in the Bay. Also, he and Andy – wow, excuse me. He and Sam host the radio show. Andy, give us the information on that.
1: Oh, yeah. Warriors World Radio, 95.7 The Game. Saturday or Sunday is nighttime, you know, usually
2: 5 to 7 p.m. So you can catch us on there if you're in the Bay Area. It is a joy. I have listened online just to get in on that uh, appreciate experience. appreciate you, brother. It's fantastic. I am Ben Delson. I am the host of the Sharp Notes podcast with the Utah Jazz. We'll have a new episode out this week that is a crossover hockey podcast with my friend Ian Tullock from Ooh. The Athletic. We're going to talk about refs because you know how much I love talking about refs. That's totally Ooh. my thing. Uh, guys, please. Do us a favor, like, rate, subscribe, download all of our Blue Wire podcasts, including this Blue Wire Bucket. Do us a favor, subscribe, then unsubscribe, then resubscribe. Game the system. I'm all about that. That's what we're about over here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please do it for us. We've, we're building the network, and we're really happy with some of the things that are coming here in the future. You're going to hear about them really soon. Uh, once again, Ben Dowson, Andy Lou, Blue Wire Buckets. I need a good sign-off. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a good. I don't have a good sign off. Go basketball. (laughs) Do you have a good sign off, Andy? (laughs) No, it works for me, brother. I love that. (laughs) Oh man! All right. Go basketball. Have a good night, everybody.